I do feel like I've got direction. Uh, there's been something that's been in my spirit now for a few months, and it's basically the title of Be Fruitful and Multiply. And I hope you don't turn me off when I say that because you've probably heard the, that term quite a bit. It's in the first chapter of your Bible. But it's something that I have not been able to get out of my spirit for months now. And um, I really feel like the Lord, just the last few days, just, I mean, He was showing me some stuff that really helped me. And I believe it's going to help you. So I want to I wanna just speak some stuff, hopefully impart some stuff, release some things in the spirit here. And I just hope that you keep your spirit open and receive that all that God has for you. Because I really believe, I know a lot of us here, Seasoned saints, been around a long time, but again, just like you don't want to take it for granted whenever you come in the house of God in His presence, you also don't want to take the Word for granted, because the Word is seed, and when the seed gets into your heart, it begins to actually produce something. The problem is not the seed, it's never the seed, the problem's always what's the condition of our heart. And so we always want to make sure when we come in here, no matter who's speaking, no matter who's ministering, that our heart is prepared to receive the engrafted word which has the power to save your soul. And I really believe that uh, there's some direction here that can, can speak to you. Amen? I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 through 28. God, by the authority of your word and by the power that's in your name, Lord, I pray that every heart would be open to receive from you tonight. God, I pray that people would be willing and able to hear your word, God, that it would find a lodging place in their spirit. Lord, our goal is always to become more like you, Jesus, to become more like the image of Christ. Lord, and I pray that in Jesus' name, that revelation would be loose in this place, that we'd understand your image at a new depth, at a new place than we ever have before. In the name of Jesus Christ, that the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation would be loosed in this house. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them have, now I want you to pay attention to this right here. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over the earth <clears throat> and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He's talking about three different dimensions. I want you to have dominion over the sky, the heavens. Dominion over the earth where the land is. And I want you to have dominion in the sea. <clears throat> Pay attention to that. So God created man in his own image. Let me hear you say his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, and he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them. Now watch, this is the very first command in all of Scripture given to man that we see recorded. The very first command. It's in the garden. It's in the place of perfection. It's in the place of where there's no sin. And he says that God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He said it again, have dominion over the air, have dominion over the earth and have dominion over the waters. But what I want you to pay attention to here is that the Bible says he created man in his image. He created them in his image. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. You can be seated. I want us to understand what it means to be fruitful and to multiply. A lot of times when you hear the word be fruitful and multiply... You hear this word and you think it's talking about, well, you need to have a lot of children. You need, to, you need to fill the earth. Well, that's true. And he takes care of that when he talks about multiplying. When he talks about multiplication and subduing the earth, filling the earth, that's when he's talking about having a lot of children and multiplying your seed. But when he's talking about being fruitful, he's talking about something else. 
He's talking about His image. He's wanting you to be fruitful and to bear His image. So the mandate from heaven is this. You are to be fruitful, to bear the image of God, and to multiply that image all over the earth. That is literally the divine mandate from the beginning. Before sin came into the world, God told you to be fruitful and to multiply. The way that you're fruitful is you got to bear His image. The way that you bear His image personally, being a light, having the fruit of the Spirit, what begins to happen is it begins to multiply in others. And I really felt led of the Holy Ghost to talk about the image of God and to talk about fruitfulness from the standpoint of Scripture and to talk about how you begin to watch how the image changed through Scripture and you can see how it's still prevalent today, how the image is under attack. It's amazing because when you read Genesis 1, 26-28, He tells them about where you're supposed to have dominion. But then watch this. After the fall, Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. Watch this. This is the second commandment of the Ten Commandments. Well, really, it's the first two. Man has fallen. Adam and Eve have sinned. And what has happened is a deterioration of the image of God from that day forward. The image of God begins to be deteriorated. And all of a sudden, what begins to happen is it stops being man walking in the image of God. And all of a sudden, the image becomes other things. The image becomes beasts. It becomes fish. It becomes fowls of the air. You begin to watch how there's this transition and this shift from the image of God being man walking like God, with God, having dominion, ruling over the earth. you got to remember that the fowls of the air, the beasts of the field, and the fish in the sea, man had dominion, had ownership over them. But the moment that man sinned, there was a transition. It wasn't just the... Tra- oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost. It was not just... The- you got to hear me. It was not just the transition of, oh, we lost dominion. It's not just the transition that now we're not ruling. Now something's ruling in its place. We all understand that. We know that. What begins to happen... Move that down. What begins to happen is there's a transition where the image that ruling begins to shift to a new image that's ruling. Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. This is Moses on the mountain. This is Moses getting the Ten Commandments from God. This is God beginning to try and reestablish his image. He started trying to reestablish his image in man through the nation of Israel. When he pulled the Israelites out of Egypt, it was to bring a people unto himself, a bride. He was about to recreate, to reestablish his image in a people that was lost in the garden. Are you with me? But watch what happens when they get into the wilderness and God starts dealing with Moses about the law and how he's about to start reestablishing his image, and he gives these laws, which is what the image should bear, how the image should act, how the image should walk. That's what those 613 commandments were. It was trying to put order back into the earth to start reestablishing dominion, the start of it, and to start reestablishing his image. But we know they kept blowing it, <laughs> as we do, right? We blow it all the time. I do. I don't know. About, I know you all are sanctified, but... I believe this will still help you even in your sanctified state. Praise God. Watch this. Exodus chapter 20, 3 through 5 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Now watch what he says. This is so amazing. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Watch. Any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, first dimension, that is in the earth beneath, that's second dimension. Or in the water under the earth, third dimension. 
You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. This is what's so powerful right here. Look at this contrast. There is a contrast right here where God speaks the very first commandment to man. It is the mandate from heaven that you're to be fruitful and you're to multiply. And you're supposed to have dominion over the fowls of the air and over the beasts of the field and the fish in the sea. My God, I feel I feel revelation right now. You are supposed to walk in dominion with my image. But the moment that the fall began to happen, the moment that sin entered in, the image began to change. And God has to start trying to reestablish his image by going back to his people and saying, serve me and no one else. Don't serve the stuff that you once were supposed to have dominion over. Don't serve and create images out of the things that you are, oh my, that you are supposed to have dominion over. Oh, I'm telling you right now, if you can catch this revelation, it's going it, to it is so powerful when you begin to see how God is the master at taking a moment of, of a, a failing moment and saying, now, let me restore this. Let me remind you there was a transition. You used to have dominion over the fowls of the air. You used to have dominion over the beasts of the field. You used to have dominion over the fish of the sea, but you lost it and now you're serving it. And you're making images out of it. You are creating. Why? Because here's the revelation you got to catch. It's all throughout the scripture. Whatever images you are feasting upon, watching, looking at, that you're setting up in front of you will be the things you worship. Because it's all about image. It's all about likeness. It's about God's image. He said, I, he said, no man's seen God at any time. Why? He wanted you to worship the one true God as the infinite creator. There was nothing that compared to him. There was no beast of the field that could come close to him. There was no fowls of the air that could come close to him. There was no fish in the sea. He created all of it. And you see how the Israelites... When they lost, Adam and Eve lost that dominion, God had to come back when he started releasing the law, the Ten Commandments, started reestablishing dominion in a people because one day he was going to establish dominion in the whole earth. But first he had to call the people out unto himself. He started with Abraham and he went down the list. Then he started delivering the Israelites when Jacob became 70, 72. Then they get to, to Egypt and they're in bondage. And God says, here's the perfect opportunity. Let me talk to you for a second. G God spoke and said, this is the perfect perfect opportunity while there's millions of people in bondage here's the perfect opportunity for me to show myself strong some of you didn't catch that the world's getting worse the world's getting more bound the world is is falling apart here's the perfect opportunity for me to show myself strong that's what God's saying that's what he did for Egypt. You see, he didn't show up when Joseph was reigning and say, now let me be your God and you be my people. He showed up when Joseph was off the scene and there was a Pharaoh who represented a principality that rose up symbolically, rose up against the people of God and oppressed them. That's when he showed up and said, now let me show you how I'm God. Let me show you how great I am like we just sang about. Literally, when we were singing that song, it's the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that delivered them from Egypt. I feel faith right now. Somebody's got to feel faith right now. It's the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that delivered an entire nation out of Egypt that has come to say, I can lift your burdens. But you see, the Israelites in that state of oppression, they started falling in love with other images. They started falling in love with other idols. Watch what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1. Paul ties this together again. You see how God gives the mandate in Genesis 1. Then you see how God pulls the Israelites out of bondage. And now he's got them in the wilderness. And he's beginning to reestablish dominion and reestablish a people unto himself. Reestablish his image and people. 
You see Paul talking about Roman in Romans 1. For the wrath of God, Romans 1, 18 through 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them for since the creation of the world hear me from the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so they are without excuse you can see the glory of God you can see the power of God just by what he's created But while we should be worshiping the creator God because of what he's created, watch what we've done instead. Because although they they knew God, verse 21, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. How did the wise become fools? It tells you they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image, into an image, into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. He is pulling the whole thing back again, dealing, you know, at first dealing with the, the, the Far East, uh, in the Middle East, A lot of those people believed in a higher power, believed in God. And so God was dealing with them, those that already had some type of faith in a in a power, in a supernatural power. But now Paul is dealing with what we're dealing with in a in a secular world, in a anti-God system. He is dealing with it in a Greco-Roman world that is intellectual and that is humanistic and that does not have faith. But watch those who don't have faith what they still do. The same thing that those other nations were doing. It just looks different. Professing to be wise, they became fools and they changed the glory of God. The incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts. Therefore, God has given them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Watch this. Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshiped and served the creature. Rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You see, this is the power and understanding about the importance of The image of God, understanding what it means, the images that you're putting before you, the images that you're fellowshipping with, the images that you're trying to reflect to the world. Is it serving the creature or the creator? Is it glorifying the creature, that which is created? Or is it glorifying the creator? You see, we see it all the time right now in this secular system that we're in right here. We see it happening with social media. You know what social media is all about? Let me help you. Image. I'm not preaching against social media. I have it. But you better be very careful. Because what it's all about is you erecting an image to the world that people will like bow down to. In fact, it was Nebuchadnezzar who erected an image to the whole province of Babylon so that people would bow down and worship it. The spirit of Babylon is a whole lot more behind that than the spirit of God. Can you use it for the kingdom? Absolutely. But you better check yourself and make sure of which image you're trying to glorify. Because social media, a lot of social media is about erecting an image to the world so that you can get affirmation, so you can portray and you can get glory. I'm not, I've got one. But I, there was a time where I couldn't help myself. I kept checking all the time. I'm going to help some of you young people. You ready? The Lord spoke to me. He said, get off of there for a while. He didn't tell me how long. I just felt, I need to get off of here. I deleted the app. This was... I don't know, a while ago, four or five years ago, deleted the app, didn't touch it for nine months. And then about nine, at that point, nine month point, I started feeling 
like I could get back on it. Something broke in me. I literally felt something break. I think for me it was more of the constant checking and stuff. Maybe it was about the image. Could have been. I don't know. Maybe it was. Whatever it was, the, it was probably a multifaceted issue. God broke it when I deleted it. Because there's some things that are not bad, or should I say they're lawful, but they're not expedient. And sometimes you've got to find out when you've crossed the line where you, you, it, it's, it's lawful, it's okay, but it's not expedient for your spirit. It's not expedient for your life. You've got to be led of the Holy Ghost because not everything's black and white. Like, yes, no, yes, no. There's a lot of scripture that's gray. There's a lot of things. You see, here's the thing. We first come into the kingdom. We got to learn how to be sensitive to the spirit of God. We first got to learn how to submit to God, right? We first got to learn how to get into his word and his principles to become a part of us. And we start to learn the boundaries. We start to learn the black and white. Yes, no, yes, this, that. Okay, here's the principles. But then the next level of relationship is being spirit-led. That's the gray area. That's where something might be okay, it might be lawful, but it's not expedient. And God says, you need to stop. That's, that's where conviction comes in. There's a difference between doctrine and conviction. Doctrine is the word of God says, hey, you shouldn't do this. You, you could lose your soul over this. Conviction is he doesn't have to do it, but he does. And he could lose his soul over it because that's disobedience if he's not obeying God. But God's not calling Declan to do that. And so you've got to allow yourself to feel in the spirit when you start losing sight of the image of God. You've got to learn and you've got to be able to understand and discern whose image am I portraying and glorifying right now. And in the world... They serve the creature more than the creator. The whole entire trans movement is all about changing an image. The entire entertainment industry is all about reflecting and you taking on a certain image. That's why you have cultures that have certain types of music. Because they're portraying an image that they want the culture to bow down and become like. Music, movies... That's why in certain areas of the country you hear a lot of this type of music and people are participating in things that are connected to that type of music. Because whatever image you begin to give yourself to, it will be the thing you worship. Be fruitful and multiply. It means to bear the image of Christ and to multiply it in the earth. I want to talk to you for a second about some of this, the imagery that we see in Scripture. This, this helped me a lot when I started seeing it. While Moses, so we talked about how God starts dealing with the Israelites about reestablishing his image and dominion in his people, right? While Moses is on the mountain <laughs> getting the characteristics that should be in the people of God, Moses is on the mountain, and watch what happens in Exodus 32. This is crazy. Moses is on the mountain. He's hearing all these things that's going to help the Israelites become more like the image of God. But watch what it says. Exodus 32.1, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, and they said, come on. I'm reading this from the New Living Translation, Exodus 31. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from your ears of your wives and sons, which they brought from Egypt and your daughters and bring them to me. I want you to envision what's happening right here. The man of God who helped deliver them out of bondage, out of oppression, is in the mountain with the creator God, getting the instructions of how to become more like God, how to obey him and reverent him, have reverence for him and, and to walk with him and to become more like his image. God is beginning to release that to the Israelites, but it hasn't gotten to their ears yet. He said some things on the mountain and they heard the, the powerful voice and they hear all this thing, all these things. But they go to Aaron, and they say, this man's taken way too long. Be very careful if you get impatient in your season. 
I said, get, be very careful if you get impatient in the season God has you in. The man of God hasn't told me. Where's, why hasn't the man of God sent me into this ministry? Why hasn't the man of God put me here? Does he not know what I'm doing? Does he not know who I am? Does the man of God not see I'm praying? Does the man of God not see my gifts? Who, where is this Moses? Why is he taking so long? I'm afraid that it's in a lot of times in impatience that we start erecting images and calling it God. That went over well. <laughs> what you need to see right here is that they literally called this golden, this was a golden calf. They called it Yahweh. They called it Jehovah Yahweh. They called it Yahweh, literally. They said, here is, the Yahweh, here is God who brought us out of Egypt. Right name, wrong image. You can be an apostolic on these seats and you can call on the name of Jesus Christ, but the image better match with the name. That's what's happening in the whole. That's what's happening right now in mainstream Christianity. Uh, you know, there, there's been this uh, shift from uh, the, a lot of shifting from the Trinitarian understanding and a shift more into Jesus name shift into speaking in the name. But here's the problem. You got to be very careful. People are calling on the name. They're speaking in the name, but they're doing it in the wrong image with the wrong likeness, with the wrong character, with the wrong, not what the book preaches. And God was so angry he was so angry at the Israelites that he told Moses to take that golden calf and burn it and make them drink it. But this is what's so crazy about this right here is that they took the gold, they took the earrings, they took all these gifts they took from Egypt that God was talking to Moses about to use for the tabernacle. While Moses is in the mountain hearing from God about how he's going to use their gifts for his glory. They were tempted to take their gifts and give it to a false image. While he's dealing with them about talking to Moses about, I want you to create the tabernacle for my presence to dwell. While he's speaking to them, here's our God that pulled us out of Egypt. Wrong image. And, it just, and a lot of them ended up dying from a plague. It's very sad to see, but we see that impatience can cause us even in ministry, impatience, even in ministry. I, I know I'm talking to a lot of leaders, but I'm trying to help you because there's been times where I've gotten impatient. I'm like, oh, God, I, I think I'm supposed to do this. And then I might start finding myself reaching for something that looks like Jesus, sounds like Jesus, but it's my own will. Because here's the thing. They didn't care about a golden calf. You realize that, right? They didn't care about a golden calf. They wanted to have a party. <laughs> so what they did was they wanted the right name with the wrong image so that they could delve into iniquity. In their impatience, they dove into iniquity but called it, Jesus, or called it God, Yahweh, so that they could get away with it in their mind and feel justified. Hey, at least I'm serving something. But they wanted really to give themselves over to their flesh and self-indulge. I'm trying to help you with the revelation. Some of you, I hope you're hearing me because it's, it's about the revelation of being fruitful and multiplying. Some of you need to kind of take your walls down. And I'm not really, this isn't about shooting at you. This is about giving you the revelation of how we're going to reach the world. I think I can feel in my spirit. Some people are kind of like, what are you trying to, I'm not, I'm just sharing with you what God gave me. I didn't come here with one person's name. My, I mean, I literally just sought the Lord. And he started showing me a bunch of stuff. I'm trying to help you to see that if we're going to subdue the earth, we got to be fruitful and multiply. They called the calf Yahweh. They used the name in iniquity. Watch this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 20 uh, through 22. It says, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. And he said unto them, they're asking, well, actually speaking to the Pharisees, he's speaking to some, I believe there were Sadducees, some people that came, some, even some Romans. They came and they said, do you have to pay tribute unto Caesar? Watch what he says. 
He says, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, it's Caesar's. He said unto them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard these words, they were marveled and left him and went their way. You want to know why? Image reveals ownership. He said, what image and subscription do you see on the coin? I said, Caesar's. He said, then it's Caesar's. Whatever, whatever image you are portraying, whatever image you are reflecting, that's who has ownership over you. That's why we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. Because when we go under that water, we're coming out with the image of God upon us, where now we're supposed to be walking in the image of Jesus Christ. Because that image is also ownership. But this is where the world and the adversary tries to pull us and to tempt us and to distract us with a different image. Now, most of us here are not going to be tempted or distracted by an image of complete worldliness. But that's why he also tries to tempt us with spiritual images that are not God. Iniquity that hides behind a spiritual cloak that says the name of Jesus, that worships and praises, but is not really yielded to the principles of Jesus Christ. And that's why we've got to search ourselves constantly to make sure that we are walking in the image that he's called us to walk in. What's amazing about this is a lot of kings, I, I heard somebody say this and the Lord started talking to me about this. A lot of kings, the ancient kings, they would erect an image of themselves or a statue of themselves in the capital or the predominant area where a lot of people live, which usually was the capital. And they would do that to basically flex to the world and say, this is my dominion. This is where I rule. So that's what Nebuchadnezzar was doing when he erected that image. Now, some people believe it was an image of him. Some people believe it was an image of his God. Either way, he was flexing to the world and saying, look what I've done. Look what, how I've conquered the whole world, the whole known world to that point, most of it. And so these kings would do that as a sign of dominance, a sign of dominion. And God has called us to be the image bearers. And this almost moved me to tears because I started thinking about this. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ also was an image that was erected. It was on the hill of, in Jerusalem, the centermost point in the entire earth, where the true king was lifted up and erected as a suffering servant. I feel God right now. You've got to hear me. Him as the suffering servant, but also as ruler, was risen above to say, through his death, and of course later through his resurrection, he was saying, I am the king, and I have come back to reestablish complete dominion. Mm. He didn't... He didn't go look for gold. He didn't go look for silver. He came in the form of a man, the dust of the earth. And I was thinking about it too. When you think, when you look back to Nebuchadnezzar's dream of that rock coming and crushing that statue, I don't have time to get into it, but you see a stone come down and destroy that man that was built with the different metals, which represented the different kingdoms of the world. He didn't use gold in that dream to destroy that. He didn't use the most precious metal. He used the stone, an ordinary stone, come down and crush to take dominion over those, all those systems and over the known world to that point. Jesus was saying, I came as a lowly man. I came as a, in the form of a servant. And I died. I let them, I let them crucify me. I let... I suffered. I went through all these things, but I did it, and they raised me up in Jerusalem so he could prove to the world. He was doing it in the spirit, saying, here's your king. And that's why it said the inscription above his head, king of the Jews. My God. You see this also <clears throat> when 
the imagery is seen, the adversary uses this and he perverts it. The adversary uses this and perverts this where he comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing. He comes as an angel of light. What is he trying to do? He's trying to reflect an image that's not him. I mean, trying to convince you that it's him, but it's not him. He He is releasing an image to try to confuse you and to make you to believe it's really deception. And that's what we've got to be very careful of in this world is the deception of the images. Deception of the things that are on the internet and entertainment. The deception even in preaching. And we're, we're listening to different preachers all over YouTube. You've got to make sure you're listening to the right image. Because that image can try to... It, it can be an angel. I'm doing quote unquote. Transformed as an angel of light, but it's really false doctrine. It could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And so you've got to make sure it was also, you know, Jacob was deceived, or excuse me, Jacob deceived his father, Isaac. He said, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. You see, because he couldn't see the image, he was deceived. Because he could not see and all he did was follow the voice, he didn't follow the image. He did not, <coughs> he did not walk with the understanding that it was a false image. He was deceived. The power about all this is that Jesus Christ is the express image of God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 17 that Jesus was transfigured on the mountain. And when he was transfigured on the mountain and, the bright, and his clothes became bright, they began to see the image of God in that moment. The power of God, the, trans, the transfiguration of God through Jesus Christ in that moment. It says in Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4, it says this, God, who at sun-dry times and diverse manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person. Upholding all the things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged us, excuse me, purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus was the express image of God to the world that we are supposed to submit and yield to. The Lord was talking to me a little bit about something and it really, now that we're on this journey of uh, church planning, he was speaking to me about this. And it really spoke to me. And this is how it came to me. And this is when I, I'm going to start getting back to being fruitful and multiplying here. I feel like laid a foundation about imagery. And you need to understand that as you pay attention to those images that try to come across and try to get you. There's a spirit attached to images. That's what you got to understand. They will try to get you to worship those images, to worship what's behind those images. God was speaking to me recently, and this is what he said to me. Dominion is what draws people, but love is what keeps them. Dominion is what draws people, but love is what keeps them. You can take dominion, you can take authority, you can establish it in a place, in a church service, in an oikos, in a, in a Bible study, in a location. You can release dominion and it will draw people. People come out of the woodworks for dominion because they want to experience the power of God. But that will not keep them. This is what keeps people. Not the God in the building, but the God in the people. When they see the love of God flowing through a person, that's what keeps them. The dominion is what draws them into the atmosphere and they go, man, God is here. Man, the power of God is released here. I'm talking about being fruitful. I'm talking about fruitfulness. Man, God is here. The power of God. I I, mean, I can feel it from the top of my head, the soles of my feet. God is moving. But they got to go home. They got to go back to their environment. What will keep them is when they see God in the people, not just God in a location, not just God in dominion and authority. Because this is the whole purpose of dominion. It's for God to establish it in a location 
and in the people. To establish it primarily in the people. But when the people come together and the power of God is being released and, and there's a well that has just been dug. You know, right now we have a well that is dug in Anne Arundel County right here in the Antioch, the Apostolic Church. There is a well right here. There's a well. And people can come here and they can drink from it. And man, it's powerful. All of our daughter works, they got wells. We got a well in College Park. We got a well in Deal. We've got wells where dominion is being established and people are being drawn. But that's not what's going to keep them. What's going to keep them is when they see that God has conquered the people. When they see that dominion is being established in the people where love is flowing out. Because the thing is, they know they got to go back to those environments. They got to go back to those places. I was thinking about this in, in prayer not long ago. You know, it's amazing that we teach Bible studies and we get people to see the truth. It's amazing that people get the gospel and their eyes are open to revelation. That's amazing. But the problem is they go back to their bound environment. They go back to their bound environment. And so what happens is they get the revelation, they get free for a moment, but then they go back into bondage because they go back in that environment where there's a lot of demonic influence and difficulty. What would happen if we took dominion over their environment? What would happen if we established love in the environment where they're from? You begin to see things break where people are like, I get the revelation, I see it, but I go back in this environment, it's hard. When you start taking dominion over the person's home, over the person's living space, where they constantly are having to dwell, where they're having to live, they're having their dreams, it's the, it's the place where they're most vulnerable. God wants to release dominion and his love in those locations. Amen. Fruitfulness and multiply. I was studying this out and I saw this and it really helped me. The, mo- the fruit that has the most seed. The fruit that has the most seed is the pomegranate fruit. I never knew that. The pomegranate fruit has the most seed out of any fruit in the entire world. Think about that for a second. Do you realize that when God spoke to Moses and said, I want you to dress the high priest. I want you to put that ephod on. And then on the hem of their garment, I want you to alternate bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, which we know represents the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. And they were distributed evenly along the hem. Because we know, we've heard Brother Mott teach it, when they would walk around the tabernacle, there would be a sound, a certain sound that would happen because the pomegranate would hit the bell and it'd make a distinct sound. It was of God. I had no idea. And what you see right here is so powerful, the fruit of the Spirit. You see, guys, we can't multiply through gifts. You multiply through fruit. The pomegranate, I read it, it says it has, usually a pomegranate has hundreds of seeds. Some pomegranates have thousands, or a thousand at least, a thousand. You know what that tells me? That tells me that if I want to be a hundredfold type of minister, if I want to be a hundredfold type of saint, if I want to be a hundredfold type of person, I got to have the fruit flowing. I've got to have his image released through me because if I have the nine fruits of the spirit working in me, that is the place of multiplication. That is where that seed gets into the ground and other people's hearts. And all of a sudden you begin to see multiplication in others. The multiplication. I know that the silver, I know that the gold bell is beautiful. It's made out of gold. It's a precious metal. It's valuable. But you can't multiply that like you can multiply the pomegranate. Because the revelation of multiplications in the fruit is not in the gifts. This challenged me because you know what? I was listening to the scriptures and I saw Jesus. I was listening to the scriptures. And I, I was listening to the scripture where Jesus is walking. You guys all know the story. We've heard it preached a billion times. A woman with the issue of blood reached for the hem of his garment. And the Bible says immediately, immediately she was, she was healed. And she was trembling. And then Jesus said, who touched me? I felt virtue go out from me. I felt virtue. You know what's amazing about this is that Jesus is called the high priest. 
after the order of Melchizedek. Spiritually, in the spirit, what we know is that Jesus Christ is in the role of high priest forever. He came down as high priest and lamb. He fulfilled both roles. When he was walking down the street, you got to catch this. When he was walking down the street, she didn't even understand what she was doing. But when she grabbed the bottom of his hem, she was grabbing the spot, the place, the intersection of the fruit and the gifts where they intersect, spiritually speaking. She touched the spiritual high priest hem of his garments where those bells and whistles would have been if he was a physical high priest. And he's trying to show us something revelatory right there. He's trying to show us what happens when the gifts and the fruit come together at the feet of Jesus Christ in humility, in bowing down in reverence. Things happen, the miraculous happens, and people are healed. She wasn't just healed, she was made whole. I believe her whole body, soul, and spirit was was made whole. Not just her body, but her whole body, soul, and spirit. What would happen if we fell at the feet of Jesus and we understood that we've got to get to a place where we can operate in the fruit and the gifts coming together and becoming one, and that's where the miraculous will flow. That's where multiplication happens. The bell is the one that makes the noise. It gets people's attention. But it's the fruit that sustains people. My God. It's the fruit that sustains. It's the fruit that gets multiplied. It's the fruit that will actually begin to multiply hundreds of times over. The bell just gets people's attention. And in the house of God, the bell, the gifts, the power, the dominion, it gets people's attention. It gets people's attention. It brings people to a place of emotion. It brings people to a place of spiritual decision and commitment. But it's the fruit that keeps them. There's a reason he told us we have to be fruitful. There's a reason he told us the way that you bear his image. It's amazing how you see all this typology and you see these connections between fruit and you see the connection between the fruit and the image. And he's saying that if you're going to walk in my image, you've got to bear fruit. If you're going to walk in my image, then you're going to have to have the nine gifts of the, or the fruit of the spirit and the gifts will operate with it. But you need to focus on those fruits because that's where multiplication happens. It's amazing when you see all this and then you understand that's what he's talking about. I've got to bear his image. And when I bear his image with his fruit, I will multiply his image. My God. I will multiply his image by me bearing his image. That is literally the divine mandate. There's another scripture in Matthew chapter 14. It says the same thing. They besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. The intersection. It was at Jesus' feet. The word worship literally means to bow down or to to lay prostrate. That's literally what it means. When we really, when we yield and worship before the Lord and we have a yielded heart, there's an intersection between gifts and fruit. If you've got the right name and the right image, there will be the miraculous will flow. In Jesus' name. Praise God. He tells us all about you need to have a renewed image. I've heard Bishop talk about this and this really helped me a lot. It's really helped me a lot. He said the beauty about the fruit of the Spirit is that it can be like a dashboard. For those of you who drive a car, you know when you're out of gas, you know when you need an oil change, you know when you're low on windshield washer fluid. You understand all of that. And the dashboard will tell you, hey, you're low on love. How do you know that? Well, if I get angry really quickly, I'm probably low on some love. Or if I get angry really quickly, I know I'm low on some temperance. I don't have much self-control. Or if I'm looking at the world and I'm seeing such turmoil and confusion, I'm low on peace. You've you got to look at those meters because they're going to tell you where you're at. And so the amazing and the, the beauty about this is that you've literally got an image o- odometer <laughs> in your spirit. It's called the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> 
It's not your gifts. We have seen more people lost to giftings than fruit. Because the fruit, it multiplies. There's sustenance. It's if you abide in me and I in you, there's going to be fruitfulness. Because the only way you can truly have fruitfulness is by abiding in the vine. It's the only way. It's through relationship. So if you're really bearing fruit, you're not going to be lost because you've got an intimate connection with Jesus. But if you're focused on gifts, you can operate in a gift and not be connected to him a lick. Because the gifts and callings are without repentance. They're irrevocable. You've got the gifts over here that they're needed in the kingdom. But the gifts and callings will operate with or without Jesus in your life. But the fruit will not operate with or without Jesus. Because the fruit is about the health of your connection to the vine. So I am much safer by making the fruit my focus than the gifts. And the way that I multiply the kingdom of God is with the fruit. And if I can make that my focus and I can say, you know what, Mike, I am down on some love today. I better go to the I, might, I better get into his presence and fall at his feet. It was Mary. He said, let this become a memorial. She she poured out on Jesus at his feet. There was relationship there. There was an intimacy there. That is what we need. We've got to find the glory cloud. We've got to get into his presence. That is the, oh, I wish you'd hear me. That is the only way that the fruit is going to be born in your life is by your connection. But here's the revelation. It's not just the fruit. It's the multiplication. It's not just the fruit. It's the multiplication. I'm not talking, you got to understand me, when I say multiplication, it's however God, however God tailors it to you, that's the way He's going to tailor it to you. It could be about your business. It could be about how God wants to bless your finances. He wants to multiply it. But are you being fruitful first? Then He'll multiply it. Everybody always thinks, oh, it's just about church growth. Oh, of course, that's one of the main focuses because we are here establishing a kingdom and we are expanding the kingdom of God. But it can mean whatever God needs you to multiply in and whatever God has put in you that he wants to multiply. He's got to see fruitfulness. But here's the thing, and this is where I'm going to begin to. I'm going to begin to land the plane here in a minute. The whole concept of fruit and multiplication is found in the revelation of natural fruit, like I just said. But I want you to hear what Genesis chapter one says. Then God said, this is again in the first chapter of the Bible. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself. We've got to understand this, especially as parents and Now I'm a parent, so I understand this now more than ever. The seed is in itself. You know what that means? That means that it doesn't matter what you say. It does not matter. I mean, it matters what you say, but that's not how seed is being imparted the most. You want to know how seed is being imparted the most? How you live, who you are. What you say might affect, it does affect But the seed is in you. And whatever you are is what you will produce. There is no way around it. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you guys make these converts double the child of hell. Why? Because they were saying all the right things. They were acting spiritual. But underneath the cloak, he said, on the outside, you're clean. But on the inside, you're ravening wolves. On the inside, you're full of snakes, venom. And the problem is they could speak all they wanted from the scriptures. But they could not produce the scriptures because they were not 
living or of the Scriptures. Whatever you are is what you will produce in the next generation. Whoever you are, it's not about what you say. It's not about what you think. It's about who you are and how you live because the seed is in itself. Oh, hallelujah. The seed is in itself. That means that when I am walking and I think nobody else is watching, David said in Psalms 101, I will walk with integrity in my own house. He's saying when no one else is watching, when the bedroom door is closed, when no one else can see me, I'm going to still walk with the seed that's in myself. That is where I've hid the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against him even when you can't see me. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not. Ta- I, we all are human. I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about is when we have this attitude in our spirits or this attitude in our mind that, oh, I, I need to say this, but I can do this. No, because how you live is what you produce. And I can prove it scripturally that you will multiply. The seed is in itself. I can prove scripturally that you will multiply something. Notice I said something. I wish somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost. You will produce something. It's impossible for seed to not be pouring out of you. The question is, what type of seed is it? What type of seed are you multiplying? It goes back to the image. Are you walking in the image of God? And are you multiplying the image of God? Because there will be an image you will produce there will be an image you will multiply but the question is what image what image it was Elijah and Elisha where he threw that mantle upon him and he was given a double portion of his spirit he walked in a double portion because what Elijah had was imparted and multiplied. He had seven miracles. The man after him, Elijah, had 14 miracles. You can look it up. There was a double portion. There was multiplication. Multiplication for the kingdom. But you go and you look at Solomon. David was a man after God's own heart. David loved God. We, I love David. I love his stories. He is a man of God. I believe that. But Solomon had a multiplication issue. He had a lady problem. He multiplied his daddy's issues because whatever's in you will be multiplied to the next generation. The question is, I'm not saying that Solomon didn't have decisions he needed to make. I'm not saying Solomon. Solomon had to make his own decisions. Absolutely. But maybe, maybe he wouldn't have had as much of a problem if it wasn't multiplied in him through the seed of his daddy. Joseph had a multiplication of hunger in him. The way he survived Egypt, Jacob imparted something to him. Now, I know Jacob had a lot of issues, and if you look, most of his, most of his sons also were cheating people. <laughs> most of his sons were also stealing things and doing crazy stuff. You know why? Because a lot of that stuff was multiplied in the next generation. Thankfully, Joseph caught the other side of multiplication, thank God, and had a hunger and was able to overcome Potiphar, the prison, and all, and, and all those difficult situations. But my point is here. God has given us a mandate. He's given us a mandate. And that mandate is to be fruitful and to multiply. And the Pharisees and the Scriptures, they had fruit, all right, but not the fruit of the Spirit. And unfortunately, it was imparted to the next generation because Jesus said, you've made them twice, the children of hell, but Jesus, the Creator, God of the universe, God manifested in flesh, look at the seed, look at the image that He released into the 12 men that followed Him. You see, it wasn't about what Jesus preached that made them great men of God. It was about who Jesus was. It was the seed that was in Jesus Christ that was imparted to those 12. They spent a lot more time with Jesus. Let me, let me help some of you um, just share this right now because we have such a powerful Oikos ministry here. Such a powerful Oikos ministry. 
we have such a powerful structure. We really do. I, I mean, it's, it's of God. Amen. And the Lord is doing a great work. But let me remind you, Oikos leaders, when you're in that home and you're in that Oikos, people aren't paying attention to what you say. They're paying attention to how you act, how you respond. They're look because that's where the seeds are really being, because their hearts, they're open because people are always watching. And we all make mistakes. I saw a situation recently. It hurt me in the sense of, I felt really bad for the person he made. It was a big mistake, and it was on video. It was a, a minister made a big mistake. Because he got it. it was a weak moment, I guess. But that's what I'm talking about. That weak moment made a decision, wasn't thinking, got caught on camera saying slash doing whatever it was. Man, people now, all the stuff he has said, there was a seed, a major seed that was released through that Instagram, through that video that is getting in people's spirits. It didn't matter all the great things he preached, all the great things he said. It impacted people, but those seeds are a lot smaller than the seed of who we are. I'm saying this because I'm challenged by this. I'm not saying this because I've got it figured out. I'm saying this because I, I, I want this. I want to have the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I want to love when it's hard. I want to have peace when things are confusing. I want to be, have self-control when it's easy to lash out. I, I want to have joy when things are difficult. I want to have the fruit of the Spirit working in my life so, I can, so it can be multiplied to the others that I'm around. There's a reason why God chose fruit to be the word that he used when talking about the world and the world getting saved. Because you have to produce fruit and the very fruit that you produce is the fruit. That's what sustains people. That's what saves people. They can't eat from your gift. They can eat from your fruit. The fruit is what is going to sustain them. The gift is what's going to draw them. The power of God will draw them. But it's the fruit that's going to sustain them. It's going to keep them. It's that love, that joy, that peace, that temperance, that long-suffering, that joy. All I do tonight, all I want to do tonight is challenge you to just take inventory. That's what I've been doing. Take inventory of the fruit in your life. Take inventory of the multiplication in your life. What am I multiplying? What am I producing? What am I releasing? Not through what I say, but what am I releasing through how I live? And by doing that and paying attention to that, take an inventory of that, the Lord will begin to speak to you in his Still small voice, very soft voice. He's not angry. He says, look, you're lacking in some peace. And there's some people you're around at work. They need peace. But if you don't have peace and you're not bearing my image of peace, how are they going to feel the multiplication of peace? Because by me bearing that image, I can reflect and multiply that image. That is kingdom, the kingdom mandate, the divine mandate from heaven. You must be fruitful and you must multiply. You must bear his image. That's how you do it, by having fruit. And then multiply his image in the earth. And that is what heaven, the mandate, before anything else was established, the law, the new covenant, that mandate was given. And that is the revelation to walk in kingdom dominion. You walk in dominion by doing that very thing establishing his image in your workplace, establishing his image in your home, establishing his image in your community, establishing his image in your church, establishing image wherever he has put you, you need to establish that image through the fruit of the Spirit. And then it will start to multiply, and you'll see that begin to grow and multiply around you. Let's go ahead and stand in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. And Lord, I just pray that 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It be received, God. I just pray that we would keep our spirits open to taking inventory, God. Taking inventory over whatever it is that you're calling us to, Jesus. Help us to take inventory to check whether your image is what we are getting glory, giving glory to, whether we are allowing that to be reflected out of us or whether or not, God, we've found ourselves getting a little distracted by the images of the world, the images of the enemy, the images, God, of even ministry and iniquity. Help us, God, to reflect your image in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that this word would find a lodging place, that it would get deep into their hearts and spirits, God. And Father, that it would bear fruit in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for what you've done in this place, Lord. And I just pray that your perfect will would be done in your people, that you continue to do a great work in this church. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Let your perfect will be done in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Well, I pray that that bless you, and I hope you guys have an awesome Thursday night and rest your weekend. And we will be back here Sunday morning and Sunday night. And looking forward to it. And just a reminder, we have Oikos on July 9th, the following Sunday. So start thinking about that, making plans for that. But let's be fruitful and let's multiply in Jesus' name. Love you all. God bless you.